I'm ready. Hallelujah. I can hear the voices singing soft and low. Hallelujah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. I can hear the voices singing soft and low. Hallelujah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go. us here at Community Bible Baptist Church for this worship service. So glad that you've joined us here in person and online. We have a lot of people online joining us for worship today. If you're able to stand wherever you are, please do so as we get the service started with congregational singing. Come, Christians join to sing. Would you lift your voice with this hymn today? Sing together. Come, Christians join to sing. Hallelujah, amen. Loud praise to Christ our King. Hallelujah, amen. Let all with heart and voice before His throne rejoice. Praise is His gracious choice. Hallelujah, amen. Come lift your hearts on high, hallelujah, amen. Let praises fill the sky, hallelujah, amen. He is our guide and friend, to us he'll condescend, his love shall never end. Hallelujah, amen. Praise yet our Christ again. Hallelujah, amen. Light shall not end the strain. Hallelujah, amen. All heaven's blissful shore. His goodness will adore, singing forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. And the church says, 
Amen. Church, you may be seated this morning for our call to worship. Choir, you may be seated. Amen. Turn your Bible to Matthew 15, please. Our call to worship, Matthew 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. The Lord Jesus moves up north and he meets this woman of Canaan. Her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil and she approaches the only one that can help her and we can learn from her. The Bible says then she came and worshipped him. And I want you to notice first her unhindered worship. First of all, it was unhindered by silence. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her, not a word. I wonder today if our worship has been hindered because God's been silent. He said, he, he's not that real to me. Worship him. But I haven't seen an answered prayer. Worship him. He is due all of our reverence, all of our awe. Worship him. David says in Psalm 13, how long, those two powerful words, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? I don't know how long, but worship God. He's worthy. She was unhindered by silence. She was unhindered by the treatment of the disciples. In our text, and his disciples besought him, Send her away, she crieth after us. Who have you let hinder your worship? She could have been very offended. You're disciples of the Lord. You should be helping me out. She came and worshipped him. She didn't let the mistreatment of others Hinder her worship. Galatians 5, 7 says, Who did hinder you? Ye did run well, but who did hinder you? That you should not obey the truth. Who are we letting control our worship, our peace, and our joy? This is a call to worship. She didn't let silence or the treatment of others. She didn't even let the offense of the Lord hinder her. It's not meek to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. The customary vernacular of the time, Gentile dogs. Listen, I give my main miracles and my teaching to the Gentiles, or to the Jews, you're a dog. It could have offended her. She worshipped. Have we let offenses, 
faith stumbling blocks prevent us from worshiping God. My friend, we are made to be worshipers. We're made that way. It's in our heart. We will worship something. We're made to worship God. We are saved to worship God. Don't be distracted. I see also not only unhindered worship, I see a heartfelt prayer quickly. Lord, help me. What a prayer. Have you had those prayer meetings? I have. I didn't have articulate words. I didn't have long sentences. It's just the heart of a mom whose child is sick. It was just at the end of the rope. Help me. Spurgeon says, let your before the Lord, let your words be few and your heart be fervent. How many times we prayed, our lips are in gear, but our hearts are in neutral. Unhindered worship, heartfelt prayer. Thirdly, great faith. I just want some crumbs, Lord. That's all I want. Give the food to, to, to your people. I just want what falls from the table. It's not even noticed. And here's why he said great faith, and I'll tell you why. Because she says, your little is enough for me. Your, my little is not much with you. Here it is. His little for my much. Lord, your crumbs for my catastrophes. It's just a little touch of a garment. It's just a few loaves and fishes. What are they among so many? Nothing without God. But with the Lord, little is much when God is in it. And so we have today a call to worship. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. and We praise your name. We don't worship you like we should. We're hindered by our emotions, by our circumstances, by offenses, by silence. May you still our hearts now as we take this time to worship you and to show you honor and reverence and glory as you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. I you to stand. Lift up this hymn. Oh, worship the King, our glorious above. And gratefully sing his wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days. Pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of his might and sing of his grace. Whose robe is a light, whose canopy space is chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. All hail to the king in splendor.
We say amen. amen. Majesty is worthy of our worship. Man, we're so glad that you're here today. We're looking forward to a great day. We're going to have you go ahead and be seated. We want to welcome our guest. If you're here today and you're a visitor, we're so glad you're here. We actually prayed that you'd be here this morning. As I look out across the crowd, I see uh, visitors that are here. Our ushers have a gift for you. If you'll slip up your hand, they'll get that to you. Uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. I encourage you to come back next week. Our pastor will be back with us next Sunday morning. And uh, we look forward to worshiping today, but ask for prayers for him as he's doing a marriage conference um, in North Carolina at, uh, where his son is ministering. And God's already using him there, and we're looking forward to what he's going to do here. But if you're a visitor, if you'd slip up your hand, we'll get you that card. If you'll fill it out and take it to our welcome center, we'll get you a gift bag after the service. But we're glad you're here. We're looking forward to what God's going to do today. We've enjoyed three of these uh, My Story for His Glories. And this week, we have one more video for you. My story for his glory. Please pay attention to the screen. Hello, everyone. This is John Cubis, and this is another segment of Your Story for His Glory. I've got one of our favorite people at a church right here and in person, Miss June Pendleton. You know what? She's got one of the coolest accents I've ever heard. Miss June, will you say something like, uh, forget about it? Forget about it. Yes, I love that. Well, listen, you know that what we're here for. We're here to hear part of your story and for his glory. And so if you can share with the church family and any guests that we have this morning, part of your story. Okay, well, I was brought up as a Catholic and, and unfortunately when I went to college, I broke away from the church, which happens so often for the young kids, you know, today. Anyway, I had nothing to do with, with God or Jesus or anything for so long and and then one day the Jehovah Witnesses started knocking at my door and I let them in and I listened to them. But for some reason, you know, they don't, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and haven't been brought up as a Catholic. I believe, Steve still believed in the Trinity, even though I didn't go to the church, I still prayed to God. I wasn't as close to Jesus as I should have been, but 
I still would pray to God. Well, I was visiting my mom here in Florida and um, they called, the Jehovah Witnesses called and said they found a um, church of a kingdom hall for me to go to. And uh, I listened to her and then I went into the hot tub and prayed to the Lord to, you know, to find me a church. I couldn't, I just could not take what they believed. They believed that Michael was, uh, uh, they believed so much that I just couldn't uh, take. And, and the fact that they didn't believe in the Trinity. So I prayed to the Lord to find a church. And my mom asked me to go to public to pick up something. And I, I opened the door and a tract from Community Bible Baptist fell right on the floor. Well, that was a Saturday. Sunday morning, I went and went to church. I met Vonda. Vonda introduced me to Penny. Penny introduced me to Pastor, who was talking with Tony Wellman, who had grown up as a Catholic and had listened, had, had some connection with Jehovah Witnesses. I think he said that. Anyway, he and his wife took me um, behind the, you know, those folding doors that they had at the old church. And uh, I confessed, you know, I, I just followed what he said and I believed everything he said and I accepted Jesus as my savior. And that night I was baptized at Community Bible Baptist Church at 65 years old. And since then I have uh, devoted my services much as I can to the Lord. My whole life has changed. I, I just am so happy with how I feel now on the inside and how, oh, I have to say one more thing, how much I knew nothing, nothing about the Bible. But thank goodness for the FBI because I was able to study the Bible full from, from beginning from Genesis up to Revelation. Oh, I have to say one more thing. Um, when Penny sent me to a church in Long Island, he, she said there was nobody in Long Island that had a King James Version of the, that studied the King James Version, so I had to go to Brooklyn. Well, no way was I gonna go to Brooklyn. And um, so she, there's a, uni, was a, there was a university, not a university, college, a Bible college, close to eight miles from my house. And I went to the woman's um, uh, Sunday school lesson and they were doing Revelation. Oh my goodness, I started crying hysterically, thinking that, um, you know, my father was probably in hell because he was not saved. And I eventually, you know, took my mother down the Roman road and she was saved. But the, the uh, pastor's wife came up to me, hugged me and said, girl, I'm gonna teach you how to be a soul winner. And so for twice a week, I went out with her and learned how to uh, take people down this, the road to salvation. And, and I've, I have a list on the back of my Bible of all those that I have uh, uh, led to the Lord. And I'm, I'm just so happy that my whole life has changed. And uh, how do I end this? I don't know. <laughs> uh, great. Thank you for sharing some of your story for his glory, Miss June. What a blessing you are. And may I ask?
Amen. Aren't you thankful this morning that he knows our name? I want to clarify just a couple of things from Miss June's testimony. Number one, the FBI does not mean she was in trouble. That's an acronym for one of our ministries here. And I saw somebody raise your eyes when she said, thankful for the FBI, because I learned everything about God real fast. So this is not one of those prison stories. But Miss June, we enjoyed that very much. Let's go ahead and stand together again. And I want to just encourage you like Brother Jim did a minute ago. Let's not just have our lips moving. Let's engage our heart in the worship songs at Community Bible Baptist Church.
Thank you so much, Ms. Cubis. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 5. Appreciate all of the musicians and the music that call to worship. Man, if your heart's not already stirred, uh, you may need to do a heart check. What a good morning this morning so far. And I would ask you to continue to pray for our pastor and uh, pray that God will continue to bless there. They have snow this morning. He texted last night and said he's freezing. And um, if we finally got some warm weather here, it's warming up a little bit. So we're excited about that. And uh, I'm sure all of those going to the game tonight are excited about that. Um, anybody a Bucks fan here this morning? Few, few, okay. Any for the other team? One. Okay, great, great. Well, uh, this morning's message is a very, very serious topic, but I do know one Super Bowl joke, and th so I thought I'd start with that, and then we'll jump right into our message. It was a year much like this one, where the game was very anticipated and very exciting. And um, it was a sold-out stadium, and uh, every seat was supposed to be sold, and uh, everyone was arriving early at the stadium, and there was a man and his friends there, and they were excited. And as the stadium filled in, there was just but one empty seat right in front of them. And that just puzzled the man, and uh, we went into the start of the game, and he's like, maybe they're just running a little bit late. And at the end of the first quarter, he couldn't, he couldn't contain himself any longer, and he reached up to one of the people next to the empty seat, and he said, I can't believe there's an empty seat at this game. We paid so much for these seats, and it was supposed to be sold out. I wonder whose seat this was. And the man said, well, unfortunately, it was my wife's, but she passed away. Oh, the man got quiet. He said, I'm so sorry. I, I feel terrible about that. He went back to watching the game, but then he started to think a little bit more, and he said, he reached down again and he said, couldn't you have invited a family member or a friend? He said, I tried. They're all at the funeral. <laughs> I don't normally remember jokes, but I remember that one. Mark chapter number five in your Bibles. Mark chapter number five. We're going to be reading verses one through 20. Verses one through 20, the Bible says, and they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of Gadarens. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been bound often with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken to pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus, 
But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto them, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out, away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine and told it to the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil, and that had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid." And they saw it and told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee. Verse number 20 is our text verse this morning. And he departed. And he began to publish. In Decapolis. How great things Jesus had done for him. And all men. Did marvel. For a few moments this morning. I want to just outline this passage. But then I really want to focus in at verse number 20. And he departed and published in Decapolis. How great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. We see first off this morning as we outline this passage, we see the contact with Jesus. His first contact here happens very, very quickly. Jesus is at this reason for only one stop. If you continue to read verse 21, you see that Jesus immediately leaves after being here. His only reason for this stop was this madman, was this man that comes up to him. And the, the encounter happens very, very quickly. When you read the passage, you'll see that Jesus is there just for him. Jesus steps off the boat, and here he comes. Uh, but notice, and I love this, Brother Jim, um, it says that he comes and he worships him. He comes and he begins to worship Jesus. Even in his current state, he worships the Lord. I couldn't help but think about Brother Jim as he began to give us our call for worship this morning. Boy, why did we come to church today? Uh, several months ago now, years ago, even I asked my Sunday school class, why did you come to church today? And I was blown away at the responses from people that have been in my class for years upon years upon years. And one of the greatest people that I know who studies the Bible, and uh, he's just a great man, he said, I came out of habit. Well, I hope that today you came to worship the Lord. The contact happens very quickly. The man worshiped the Lord. He comes immediately to where Jesus is. And we see this cry for help. And as we look around our world today and we get more and more frustrated with the culture and with the people, but then we look at both of these stories that are mentioned today as people come and they're just looking for help. I think a lot of times we look at things all wrong. People are just crying for help. It may seem like they're a conflicted person, but without Christ, they do not have what they need. 
They just know that they're without peace, they're without joy, they're without purpose. They just know that they seem to go through every week and just survive and they, they, they can't wait for the weekend so that they can go sleep off, drink off, or party off their frustrations and their lack of satisfaction. There's people all around us that just desperately need Jesus. We see the contact with Jesus, but then we see the condition of the man. I believe that this was a very shocking moment as they step off this boat and uh, they're just following Jesus. I can't imagine what the disciples were, were thinking when uh, this man comes up because this man is naked, this man is hurting, this man is bleeding, this man is crying, this man is out of control, um, he's out of his mind, he's alone, he's possessed, and he's helpless. A few years ago, I wasn't here on this Sunday, but apparently a uh, pastor was up here preaching and a man uh, without a shirt on just walked down toward the front toward him. And that's a shocking moment when things like that happen. And we see the condition of the man. The, con the man's condition is in a very, very bad place. Can you imagine what those disciples were, were thinking? I think some of them probably started to run away a little bit. Others maybe tried to defend Jesus and keep him away from Jesus. Thirdly, we see the confrontation with the demons. As we look at this passage of scripture here, we see two conversations kind of going on at the same time. And Mark is trying to illustrate what happened. And it almost sounds like the two conversations are happening at the exact same time. you got the man who's calling out and praying to Jesus and asking for help. And at the same time, you have Jesus who's confronting the demons. Verse number 11 through following, we see the solution here for the demons. And I think it's very interesting in that verse in number 13, the demons had to ask permission to go into the swine. The demons needed permission, and yet we see another picture of the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The next thing we see is the conflict with the crowd. Those men that were watching the, the, the swine, those men that were there, uh, they go into the city and they go into the country and they try to explain what happened and why all of these 2,000 swine, which was a, uh, would, would have been worth a great amount of money, are, are now gone and they're done. And they come to Jesus. And I think it's interesting in verse number 16, we see that they see the man is there, the man is clothed, the man is, is in his right mind, the man has been salvaged, God has saved this man. But you notice the real issue. In verse number 16 it says, And they saw it and told him how it befell on him that he was possessed with a devil and also concerning the swine. Have you ever noticed when you're dealing with an issue or a problem and maybe it's a relationship or there's a situation that's arised and everything that's going on isn't the real issue? Everything that's being talked about and everything that's being brought up isn't the real issue. And that's exactly what's happening here. These men come out and they basically ask Jesus to just leave. And they want all of this to just go away. And then it just mentions at the very end, and also concerning the swine. The real issue here was the fact that this great uh, money has been lost, even though there was a life that had been saved. The swine was the issue. Instead of being thankful and seeing the life that had been transformed in the miracle, they were still thinking about the cost that they had paid. The next thing we see is the conversation of the man. In verse number 18, when he comes into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. The man wanted to be with Jesus. Old things are passed away, and he's ready to spend time with the one who has changed his life. But then we see in verse number 19, the commission to the man. The commission is this. Jesus said, suffer him not. 
But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Jesus turns to the man and he tells him that he's not going to be able to go with him, but he says, I want you to go back and I want you to tell your friends. This is our theme verse for the, for the year. Go and tell. Go and tell. And that's what Jesus tells him here. And uh, you can probably see there was a little bit of maybe just, oh man, I really wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus has given me a task. And this is what I want us to focus on for a few moments this morning. We see the completion of the commission. The completion of the commission. Look at verse number 20 again. And he departed and began to publish and to copulous how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I want you to notice here that Decapolis is not the name of the city. Decapolis is not the name of one city that he was from. Decapolis was a group of cities. It was ten cities that were there in the area. And uh, these cities were not necessarily close together. It's not like as you drive through Kenneth City, all of a sudden you're in Pinellas Park and you never even really know um, the difference or where the line was for those two cities. These cities were stretched out over a 120-mile area. And this man takes this commission that he was given, he takes it seriously. There was real change, there was real conversion in his life. He now had a purpose. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. He has a commission from the one who changed his current situation and his future destination. This morning, can I remind you that we have a commission. It's called the Great Commission. It sounds much like the commission that was given this madman who's now turned to a missionary. Our mission is the same. Go and tell. It's been over a month since Pastor Stancil stood here and challenged us to tell our story. It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven and said, Go and tell what great things I have done for you. As I was preparing for this message, thinking about the past 30 some days now that have passed and the challenge that preacher gave us, but then the command that God has given us to go and tell. I think about the fact that we have free will. And that all of us will make our own choice with what we do with each and every day. Each, is, each of us are given the same amount of time in each day, and each of us are given free will, and some will just uh, determine to uh, have no effort. And some will just go through another week. We have 168 hours this coming week where we'll be surrounded by people that Pastor Stanson will never meet, that your Sunday school teacher will never meet. And there'll be people that we're around and people that God has placed in our life, and all of us have free will with what we'll do with that time, and the knowledge that we have been given. I started to ask this question, why are we so willing? Why are we so willing? We're so willing to do some things, and so unwilling to do others. Why are we so willing to be lax? Why are we so willing to be comfortable? Why are we so willing to be lukewarm? Why are we so willing to do some things, but not other things? 
The Bible says this. It says that we are to provoke one another to good works. Do good works allow us to go to heaven? No, the Bible is very clear that it's not by works lest any man should boast. But once we're saved, the Bible says as Christians, we come together and we encourage one another, we strengthen one another, but then there's this word in there that says we're to provoke one another to good works. That word provoke is not an exciting word. That word provoke has the idea of accountability. That word provoke means we come along somebody and we, we check in on them and see how they're doing spiritually. Joe Frost is uh, Brother Ryan Rockefeller's uncle and He's refed our last few basketball games, and I've enjoyed getting to know uh, Coach Frost over the past several years. And after we get, got to know each other a little bit, we started to ask each other about our journey a little bit, and he said uh, he was a guy that was uh, in a ministry for many years. He's been a Christian for many years, and I know Joe as one who loves the Bible who loves the preaching of God's Word. If he's in church, he's also watching two or three services. He's in his Bible. He's studying. He's studying for his class. Um, he loves the Word of God. And so I began to ask questions about um, how, the, how he got started and his desire for the things of God. And he said, I've been a Christian a long time, and I've been in ministry a long time. And one day a teacher at their Christian school, in conversation, asked him, where are you reading in your Bible right now? He said, to be honest, it kind of took me back, and I, I mumbled something and uh, made up something and then got away from there as quick as I possibly could. He said, not so many days later, the guy asked him the same question. Where are you reading in your Bible right now? He said, I think I told him Psalms, and then he asked me, which Psalms? I forgot how many chapters there were, and I made one up. I hope there was that many. Joe said he began to get out his Bible because he knew he was going to be asked. Hey, where are you reading in your Bible right now? He said he began to study the Bible, and the more he read the Bible and studied the Bible, the more he loved the Bible. And the more that he loved the Bible, the more he desired to obey the Bible. And when he obeyed the Bible, the blessings of the Lord came, and fruit began to come in his life. But it started with somebody just provoking him a little bit coming alongside of him and saying, hey, how are you doing? We're telling these kids in their Bible class to read their Bibles. Where are you reading right now? What did you get out of it? How did it help you in the current stages of your life and the things that you're going through? Why is it that we can talk about everything else amongst ourselves, but do we publish even amongst ourselves the things that God has done and what God is doing and what we are asking God to do in our life? The Bible still says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Oftentimes God is last in every category of our life except our lifeline. Sports and family and vacations and occupations and all these things take over. Questions this morning for you. Why are we so willing to, number one, replace God? Why are we so willing to replace God? The children of Israel are a great example. And I just went through this study in my Sunday school class. The children of Israel, um, the moment that God seemed to be silent. 
The moment that God seemed to not be there, uh, they would replace him. And we know that with the story of Moses is up on the mountain. He's been gone a long time. We've not heard from God. God has been silent. Let's build a calf like the Egyptians and worship it. We look at the children of Israel sometimes and we say, why were they so blinded? Why were they so uh, spiritually ignorant? But the truth of the matter is it's a picture of us. It's a picture of us, and a lot of times God is silent, and God is quiet, and God hasn't responded. And those are the times where, like we were already told, we need to worship Him. There's a storm that comes in, a hard time. Things didn't go quite the way that we had planned. Everything is not as smooth, or everything maybe is smooth. And we simply replace God. We use almost every excuse to replace him, and God has become a lifeline call instead of our life. And as Christians, we simply, our name is Little Christ. We ought to be like him. We ought to be striving and working to be like him. This man that we studied this morning, he took his commission, and that became his mission. He took his command, and that became his core purpose. Anything that excites you more then God excites you, has repla- that's what's replaced him. Man, if you're so excited about this game that you're thinking about not coming to church, boy, there's an issue there, there's a problem there, and we're to provoke one another to good works. There's, there's, a, there's a difficulty there because as Christians, we ought to be more focused on the things of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Politics. I've had like three or four people send me this video, and I enjoy it, but I try not to get caught up in it. The My Pillow guys. Everybody know Mike, the My Pillow guy. Man, he's got a video out there, and if you got two hours to spare, um, they're they're on the case. They're on the case, and they are coming after it. And Trump is not out, y'all. He still might have a chance in this thing. And, you know, I'm telling you right now, you can get caught up in the politics, the economy, football, hobbies, retirement. All these things will come in, and Satan's greatest desire is for them to replace God in our life, to take our thoughts and our time and our energy and direct it away from the things that we ought to be focused on. Why are we so willing to replace God with all this stuff? Number two, why are we so willing to revisit sin? The Bible is clear that over and over again, the Israelites just wanted to go back to Egypt, back to captivity, back to bondage. Why are we so willing to continue to do wrong? The wages of those sin are still death, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I don't know about you, but I don't like death. If we were to take a poll this morning and say, how many of you like death and uh, the thought of death and all these things, I think we'd have 100% of people say, I do not like death. It's awful. It's terrible. We had two cats in our home, I guess, for 10, 11 years or something like that. And if you know me at all, I don't like cats. <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, when our cats started to get a little bit sick and they weren't doing well and... Um, we knew the day was coming, and finally we went to take that last vet visit. And I don't like cats at all, but I'm sitting there crying like a baby, you know. <laughs> I don't like death. I don't like death. We must remember that sin, which so easy, easily besets us, it brings forth death, death to our relationship and communication with God, death to our, in our spiritual life, death to our spiritual influence. It grieves the Holy Spirit. 
I had a man walk into my office, this is years ago now, probably eight years ago, Sunday morning after church, and I was just going to my office to gather a few things, and he was in ministry, he was with us, and he came in, and he closed the door behind him, and he said, hey, I just thought I would let you know that I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to tell my wife and children that I'm leaving them. I remember just kind of standing there behind the desk, and that took me off guard, as you can imagine. In this verse, God just popped it in my head. I said, what do you want to die? Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Why are we so willing to relinquish sinners? That word relinquish is to let go or to neglect 2 Peter 2, verse 2 Peter 3, 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that God's not willing that any should perish. Man, when I start to look at my life and I start to look at the testimony and the fact that God saved my parents and God saved my aunt who told my parents and then my my parents were able to uh, uh, illustrate that to me and bring me to the knowledge of uh, my salvation and I think about my testimony and I think about my heritage and I think about all that God has done. I'm so thankful this morning that God is not willing that any should perish. But the question I have to ask is, are we willing? Let people perish. The people that God's placed in our life. When we're silent. What we're saying is we're willing. To let them perish. I'm glad that God's not willing. But it would be a lot for me to say anything. I don't really know them that well. And I know they're going through a difficult time. And. They're really at issue at work, and they're a problem at work, and I just try to stay quiet and kind of mind my business and get my paycheck. That's you holding the big sign, I'm willing to let you perish. Again, if we took a poll this morning, I think everyone would say, no, I don't want to be willing to let people perish. Spend eternity in hell paying for their sin that's already been paid for? When we're silent, saying, oh, I'm glad that God's not willing. But I pray they have me excused. I pray they have me excused. I don't think I know enough yet. If you've been saved, you know enough. If you've been saved, you know enough where to go and tell. What does it require to tell? The going and telling, number one, we've got to reposition God. We've got to reposition God, put Him first. He ought to have the first part of your day, the first day of your week, the first in your decisions, the first part of your dollar, the first part of your time, your energy, We ought to seek him first in every area of our life. We need to revisit what he's done. He's not willing that you should perish. He made a plan for you. He's preparing a place for you. He provides, he protects, he prods, he proves, he prepares. He is all we need. 
Faithful is he that has called you who also will complete it. God is looking for people who are willing. We've got to be reminded of what he's done and then begin to ask, what can I do? When that man entered that ship and followed Jesus, he was willing to do whatever. His desire was to be with Jesus. But when Jesus said, here's what I want you to do, go and tell. He said, okay. Whatever you want me to do. It's not in my personality to speak up. I've only been saved for a little while. But whatever you want me to do. Faithful is he that hath called you. Who also will complete it in you. The last thing I wrote down is this. We need to remember that hell is real. As much as we'd like to erase it and say that it's not there and have it all go away, the Bible tells us that the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes, being in torment. This past week I was at a funeral home, and I have several friends now that are funeral home directors, and uh, I was standing outside in the parking lot with one of these funeral home directors, and there's a crematory about uh, 50 feet from the uh, funeral home, and we were kind of standing out and able to see both of the uh, buildings, and I was there probably for about 20 minutes, and as we were standing there, I was, uh, I was amazed at white van after white van after white van pulled up. And I kind of assumed that each van would have uh, the remains of one person, but each van had two people that were being brought in to be cremated. And while we stood there, it was over and over and over again that these vans were coming in. And as I sat there and I was talking to this funeral home director, I couldn't help but think that every single one of those vans that's hauling the remains of those people, their spirit is either in heaven or hell for all of eternity. And our commission today is the same commission that was given to this man who entered the ship and said, Jesus, can I go with you? He said, you can't go with me right now, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. I want you to go and tell. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. This man made it his mission in life. He said, man, those 10 cities are 120 miles apart. 120 miles apart. You understand that we have 4,000 people per square mile right here? 4,000 people per square mile. That you'll pull, out of this, you'll pull out of this parking lot and you'll begin to immediately interact with people, people all around us. You'll go to a restaurant today or you'll go to a grocery store or you'll get ready to, uh, get ready to watch the game tonight and you'll go get supplies and you're going to run into people and those people all have the same need and the need is Jesus. If God has blessed you with the message of hope, if God has blessed you and you've, you know that when you die that you're on your way to heaven, you understand that we're all sinners. Every single one of us, from the pastor to the pew, everyone's a sinner and sin's the only issue that we have. And somebody is going to pay for your sin. Either you'll pay for it, or you'll accept Christ's gift of payment for sin. Man, if you know that message, 
We ought to be as passionate as Miss June was on that video. I don't know where to stop. One more thing. One more thing. Let me tell you what God's done for me. I was lost. I was blind. And I was hopeless. But one day, I learned about Jesus. Now, He loved me so much that He died for me. And I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. I was a sinner, and I was in desperate need of a Savior. And He loved me so much that He died on the cross. He shed His blood. Because without the remission of blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And when Jesus shed His blood, that was the perfect sacrifice. And for eternity, I can spend it in a place so wonderful, the Bible calls it heaven. And I don't want my coworkers, I don't want my neighbors, I don't want the person checking me out or the person serving me or the person that's been coming to my house for years for a different service to die and go to hell because I'm not willing to let that happen. I'm not willing to not speak up. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all, all the people that God's allowed me to be around and the God's allowed me to influence, that all should come to repentance. Every head bowed, every eye closed, we stand to our feet. If God has challenged you today, if you say, boy, if I don't know for sure, I'm on my way to heaven. If you're here today, we pray for you every single week. If you say, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I have a story. You come down front and we'll get you somebody to tell you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. But if you're a Christian here today, we have a commission from God. Are you willing to let them perish? Are you willing to start to speak up and go and tell? Brother John, you sing, if God's laid it on your heart, you come. God laid somebody on your heart that you need to talk to this week, will you raise your hand? If God laid somebody on your heart that you need to talk to this week, I want you to slip your hand up. Oh, there's hands everywhere. It's one thing we all have in common. People around us that are hurting, that need to know the good news of the gospel. Even as we finish this last song, I'm going to ask God to lay somebody on your heart. For my mom, when Pastor Stansel preached a message similar to this a month ago, she said, you know what? God laid my brother Tom on my heart, and I just sat down and I wrote, a I wrote a letter. I literally published. I put it down in writing. 
my testimony and I send it off to him and I'm praying about it. God will show you how to do it. You just got to be willing to do it. You got to be willing to not let anybody perish, but that all come to repentance. Brother John, you sing. God done anything for you? Oh, oh my. You may be seated as the men come to receive our offering this morning. In the 18th century, the well-known preacher John Wesley uh, preached a sermon and he urged believers to earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. He preached and said, in the hands of God's children, money is food for the hungry, clothing for the naked, and shelter for the stranger. With money we can care for the widow and the fatherless, defend the oppressed, meet the need of those who are sick or in pain, and we can reach the world for Christ with money. Wesley's words are an illustration of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is almost entirely dedicated to the use of money. In verses 1 through 8, he talks about giving alms. In verse 11, he talks about thankfulness for God's provision and how God gives us the ability to have wealth. In verses 19 through 24, he talks about laying up treasure in heaven. And in verses 25 through 34, he talks about the concern and the anxiety that we have over having enough. As a matter of fact, in verse 33, Jesus concludes that chapter with these words, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. You see, my friends, money's kept here will not last. But money's given here will last forever. Let's pray. Our Father, as we commit ourselves today to underwriting the gospel message for our world, we know, Lord, that it takes monies. It wasn't just John Wesley who had a heart for the church to give according to their ability. 
But even Jesus, 2,000 years ago, knew that the gospel would be spread as believers give. And so, Lord, we give our tithes and our offerings today that people might hear the word of God and have their lives changed forever. What we do just now is a sacred trust. We ask, Lord, your blessing upon those that give according to their heart and what is given as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church family. Just a couple of announcements concerning Community Christian Academy. First of all is tomorrow, re-enrollment packets are going home, and in there are the progress reports. And so one of those might be contingent on the other, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, look for those. Miss Michelle will be handing those out in the car line tomorrow. It's a yellow envelope. So you've got the re-enrollment forms in there. Those need to be returned by March 1st. That's a Monday. And then also the progress report. So those are in there. So be looking for those. <laughs> uh, a second thing is Mrs. Simpson is uh, doing the strawberries, the chocolate-covered strawberries, and they're putting those together as a fundraiser for our junior-senior trip that takes place at the end of the school year. And uh, there'll be two of our teenagers in the lobby. I believe Caleb and Madeline will be out there signing you up. Uh, you can get half orders, half a dozen, or a full dozen. And uh, she is putting these together for you to deliver uh, fresh and ready to go on Valentine's Day. She does a great job with those. She uses Giardelli chocolate and just the freshest of strawberries uh, for this project. So if you would like to order some of those, yeah. If you would like to order some of those, make sure you see Caleb and Madeline. They'll be in the lobby. We've got to get that in. She's got to get that ready here in the next couple of days, so order those. And then on Friday, we've got one more thing, and that is something we're calling Pancakes with Parents, and that is a school event. Uh, IHOP has uh, collaborated with us on a project, and they are going to be bringing pancakes and sausage in on Friday morning, and it costs you nothing. You just have to come. So come a little early. Chalita has put this together for us. Thank you, Chalita. Um, and uh, so st starting at 7.30, you can come. That's one hour before school starts. You can hang out a little bit early. You can have free breakfast right here. You don't have to worry about making anything at home that morning. So come. Uh, don't come at 8.29. Expect to have that, okay? This is, this is going to run out, all right? So you got to get there early on Friday. That's Pancake with Parents. All right, announcement for the teens. Tonight, there is a Super Bowl going on. Uh, but right after the service, we're going to have a Super Bowl party. So unless you have a funeral to go to or whatever, uh, let's try to be here tonight. Uh, we ha we're going to have a, a, it's for everybody, fundraiser for everybody. We're going to have hot dogs, nachos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the cost is $10 per person uh, to get in. We'll have the TV, we'll have the, uh, the game going on. Uh, it'll be $10 per person. That, that includes the nachos and drinks and all that kind of stuff. And then we cap it at like $40 per family. Uh, if you got six or seven, like the arrows, you know, killing us with the, all the kids or whatever. But be here tonight. Support our teens. This is for our teens to help, help uh, go to teen camp this year. We're going to see uh, Pensacola. Going to go hear Brother Kenny Baldwin preach this year. Uh, so it's for a good cause. Uh, so come tonight and help us out. Let me reiterate. That is everyone. That is church-wide. That's not just a teen event tonight. All right? Are we going to have a hot dog eating contest? By myself. All right. <laughs> February 24th through the 28th, Missions Conference. We are excited. That's two weeks from this Wednesday. Now, here's the deal. Just got a text. 
We are spreading the love to all of the Sunday school classes. Nicole, our church administrative secretary, is actually in the coffee shop, just in case you have any questions. We are giving these missionaries Christmas in February. Isn't that a blessing? Us, as a collective whole, we are going to bless these families. We've asked them for wish lists, and we're going to do our best as Sunday schools to, to make sure that we've got these. Here's the deal. The Brazel family, right there, Simeon, Brittany, and their kids, um, they've been assigned to the auditorium class, Hidden Treasures, Cornerstone, Single Vision class, all right? The Troels, they're actually in our service three weeks ago, they've been assigned to the Faith Bible class, Glory Bound class, and the Tools for the Journey class, all right? And the Mirrors, I went to college with Jeremy. Don't ask him any questions. No John Cuba stories. That's always the rule. Jeremy and his family have been assigned to the PCL Sunday school class, heritage, couples class, young adults. Now, if you're not part of a Sunday school class, you can also help us out if you'd like. We've got lists in the coffee shop. Nicole's out there. We want to be a blessing to these families, and we want all of our Sunday schools and all of our active church members to be involved in this endeavor. It's going to be a blessing. That's two weeks from this Wednesday, Missions Conference right here at CBBC. Now, a week from uh, Saturday at 11 o'clock, we are going to honor the life of Marilyn and Laverne Frederick. This is Tom Frederick's parents passed away. Uh, within eight days of each other, we're going to honor their lives and memorialize them right here at 11 o'clock on that Saturday, okay? Sunday the 16th, the Widow and Widower's Banquet. Please sign up in the coffee shop, 5 o'clock. It's a catered dinner. Please make sure we have your name so we have enough food there. All right, the Valentine's Day dinner this Friday is full, okay? If you haven't paid, you can pay online or go see Miss Nicole in the coffee shop. But we do have a teen fundraiser. Even if you're not going to Harold Seltzer's Steakhouse, you can come right here Friday. We have an opportunity to invest in our teens tonight with the Super Bowl party and on Friday night as they have the teen fundraiser. You can drop off your child. You can see the prices right there on the screens from uh, 6 to 10 this Friday. Please utilize that. All right, CCA basketball games. We have one evening of basketball. It's Thursday because of Valentine's Day stuff going on on Friday night, all right? Thursday here at home at uh, um, Park Street Baptist Church starting at 4 with our JV, then the girls, varsity, then the varsity guys. Um, this is against Westgate, so you don't want to miss these games. This Thursday, starting at 4 o'clock, choir rehearsal right here in this room at 5 o'clock. Come join us as we're continuing practicing for Easter music. Dwayne Richmond needs to meet with all the current chaplains right after the evening service, right before the Super Bowl party, right here where I'm pointing. Front rows, meet Dwayne Richmond if you're an active chaplain. I think that is all the announcements. That was terribly long. Could you stand to your feet? We are so glad that you and yours have joined us. If you're visiting us, if you'd like some, um, if you'd like to meet some of our staff, we'll be out in the courtyard. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you tonight. Thanks for being here.
embrace the south? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Store in that city that's 